0: And welcome to Leviathan News. Today is July 5th. Uh, guess what, DeFi Advisor? It's uh it's my birthday today. So really, yeah.
1: <laughs> Anything uh, before the stream. Or I know, okay.
0: I know, I know. The I it's the day after 4th of July, and I always get fireworks on my birthday, so I'm
1: 38 today. That's cool. Mazaltov, man. Here we mm-hmm. say Mazaltov, it means uh, you know, uh, congratulations and uh May, may fortune be with you and uh what an honor to be with you on your birthday man
0: yeah thank and you, having
1: you on. uh
0: so we got some big news to cover actually uh so yesterday I was reading an article uh I think it's I think it's something that is being actually talked about a lot right now in the crypto space and that's that uh nft prices have just been nuking uh yeah recently. I noticed it. like absolutely nuking so Uh, i read this article yesterday it's called like is blur nuking your nft prices yes and here's how and really it gets into the fact of like the the way that blur has been designed uh, it's it really has these like interesting mechanisms on how they reward people so uh, if you think back about how the uh, nft marketplaces worked through there was OpenSea, which didn't really have any reward system Uh, and then you had looks rare which had this this taker system. So you would get paid when you would uh, provide or when you would like buy NFTs. And so it generated a ton of volume, uh, but liquidity didn't really improve. Things really changed with Blur uh, because they, for one, had a professional looking trading platform for NFTs. And then secondly, uh, they incentivized liquidity instead of purchases. So the way that uh, Blur works is that you essentially, can come in with ETH and uh, start bidding for like NFTs, right? And the closer that you are to the uh, bid price and the longer that you're there, the more blur points that you make, right? Uh, And so this is interesting, but it is, but it is quite mercenary liquidity, right? Because the assumption is, is that these people are hedged, they can put their ETH in there. uh, And that if they uh, are able to, to, like if they get stuck with the NFT, right? So let's say they get bought. um, They have to, for one thing, they have to hold that NFT for an hour. And then after the hour, they can dump it. Uh, That was all good and fine until uh, Blend came along. And I wanna get to this post Blend flow. So Blend is essentially this lending system where uh, farmers, like if you have an NFT, you can come in and borrow pretty much almost up to 100% of the NFT value. So before Blend, uh, the farmer who was providing ETH would uh, essentially provide their ETH. They would acquire the NFT inadvertently, which means they get sold into. Uh, the farmer couldn't transfer it for an, an hour afterwards. So they just list it for listing points, right? Hours up, then they dump into BIN. Now uh, the farmer can transfer it almost immediately, right? Because they, they essentially get liquidity by going to Blend after they've purchased this after they've been stuck with this nft from somebody else selling into them uh they borrow the eth back they put it back into the system and then they just wait for either it to get uh like liquidated uh or sorry not liquidated but the farmer the nft never gets listed the take bid function pays uh and it gets sold in so it's it's this like strange system and the liquidity has accelerated the dumping of nfts so uh, this is uh, one chart that just shows like when blendman is introduced and where prices are right now. You know, it could just be that like wow. the, the the NFT market
1: hype is over. Um, and, board Apes yes, are- of yeah, we'll talk about it in a second. But uh, mm-hmm. like the, the, the prices there look uh, like it's insanely low to compare to what it was like a year, a year and a half ago. It's like... Uh, Kind of insane, but what you've just explained, you you actually mean that uh, most people do these like uh, blend and blur games mostly uh, just to get like the blur and blend rewards. Yes, right. Yeah, that's yeah. the main uh, motive correct? Like uh, it's an external motive into the system. So uh, it kind of adds on a lot of mess. I think.
0: Yeah. So it represents like the way that blurs set up their incentivization system. It is typically how like other market making incentives usually work, right? So if you're in traditional finance, right. And you're providing liquidity on say futures for like the S and P or something, uh, there's rules that you have to have like a certain amount of uptime, you have to be within a certain uh, percent of the like bid or ask price, uh, and you have to maintain that constantly uh, for like uh, like eighty to ninety percent of the time. and so it's it's kind of the same way in blur where they reward you for for having large bids that are close to the the bid or at the bid price uh, to create liquidity. And so uh, this is good, but what's happening is that, The same few buyers are just like trading back and forth with themselves to farm,
1: manipulating the market, uh, like whatever they want.
0: But there's there's just a few, like, there's just a few big players that are just swapping back and forth. And progressively, they're able to take these like lower prices because the blur
1: price is subsidizing their costs. You know, it's uh, for sophisticated uh, players. This is probably such an easy uh, way to uh, make money and to make sure they're not losing anything. But uh, one of the side effects, uh, I agree, is especially, you know, in a market that doesn't really care that much about uh, most of these NFTs, these uh, at least half a, last half a year or something like that, then, uh, you know, it, this, this all just adds on and adds on to the fact that uh, all this activity is not that real, you know? Like, no one really cares about... Uh, all these NFTs at the moment, and those who do care, mostly like uh, you've just explained, they just want to like make money out of uh, all kinds of uh, side games uh, involving those uh, NFTs. It's mm-hmm. like uh, these projects are extremely stagnant. Like, for example, uh, Bored Apes and Mutant Apes. I don't think it's ever coming back. You know, like, I mean, definitely not uh, to, to the extent that it was. Like, uh, I think these glory days are... Far gone, honestly.
0: I wouldn't say that. I mean, the market always comes back, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, but much, do you really think that the bold ape will uh, again cost like, I don't know, half a million dollars or whatever it uh, was? I think it's 100K, Yeah, I like, think it's I, I mean, look,
0: uh, I can't say anything. the market does crazy stuff, right? And you never know, like, what's going to happen um, over that time period. Um, so sure, I mean, it could come back, but uh, for now, like it's, you know, it's taken a big hit. So uh, looking at uh, icy tools, right, we can see that over the past month, like CryptoPunks down 15%, BoardApe down uh, 22%, Mutant Ape's down 30%, uh, Azuki down 30%. So some of the big collections, other deed down 25%. A lot of the big collections have taken some huge hits. Uh, And that's affected the broader market as well, too. So it's um, you know, it's been just a tough month, especially in a bear market as well, too. And I think people are like looking for reasons why uh, the prices have dropped. And so while I think blend and blur, you know, obviously are like public targets to go after. Uh, those prices aren't real in the first place. <laughs> and if people are wanted to actually bid, they would have they would have bought them and pushed the price back up. So exactly
1: there's not a real uh, market uh, to these things uh, right now. So only sophisticated players can uh, do all kinds of uh, you know kind of these uh, I don't know, games or whatever uh, you can call them. And right now, I think especially uh, like after uh, like we had the Tetra or the interview, and uh, they've discussed uh, JPEG. So I think a lot of the sophisticated the actors already uh, are moving for, to other platforms to play different kinds of uh, games in order to maximize all this uh, yield that they can uh, extract out of their uh, NFTs, especially mm-hmm. NFTs like this. And I think that uh, I think it's I, I saw something that uh, it's like easier to get liquidated on uh, Blend and Blow relatively to JPEG, for uh, example.
0: Probably because they allow for near one hundred percent. TV... Uh... LTV or, or that you can borrow essentially 100% of the the value of the NFT.
1: And uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, I've seen all kinds of stuff uh, going on on Twitter as well that many like uh, bake uh, board ape uh, owners they are kind of complaining about the fact that uh, you know they're getting liquidated on Blur but they're blaming Blur and Blend instead of uh, the fact that they chose these conditions and now their NFTs uh, are liquidated especially when other uh, you know people uh, are, like, manipulating the market to force these liquidations on them because that's how these games are uh, played. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh you know, I, I think it's, it all adds up to this uh, nuking effect of uh, NFTs that you've mentioned. And by the way, I think that uh, uh, this mostly relates to, like, the classic NFTs uh, collections that, uh, that the only real utility that they offer for now is clout. Because, yeah. for example... uh in such a bear market, when Lama, uh, uh, the NFTs, uh, we had them on a few times, uh, there, right? they're uh, succeeding, you know, they did a great mint these past few months when no no one really cares about NFTs and it's mostly because they, they know their audience in a way and they have like uh, a much better connection and like utility um, and it's just working. And by the way, for example, uh, the GMX Blueberry Club, it's a... Uh, it's a much uh, like older uh, collection, mm-hmm. yet not dropping as much as like uh, Bored Apes and whatever. Because Yeah, weird, it's, I mean, it's, it's, you know, already, we're, we're uh,
0: at the end of the bear market. This is hopefully the last of it. Um, so we'll have to see how things go. So uh, in, in other news, we had some interesting stuff pop up uh, with an EIP. We had a circuit breaker that was published by uh, DR. So uh, this new EIP, uh, it's an ERC or would create an ERC standard 7265 that would allow DeFi protocols to integrate a uh, circuit breaker to prevent drainage of funds. Essentially, this would allow uh, protocols to uh, set rate limits or determine how many tokens can leave the vault or whatever sort of uh, area that these or like construct these tokens are in. Uh, and if it breaks the circuit limit, or if it, if it breaks the circuit breaker, then the contract would be paused uh, for a specific amount of time.
1: Doesn't it add uh, like a strong centralization uh, issue into the mix? Or am I uh, misinterpreting it?
0: Uh, So I believe that it just sets rate limits on uh, the amount of tokens that can come out. So it's like it it allows you to create highly customized rate limit parameters uh, so that you can say like only a million dollars can flow out in 100 blocks or something, right? Uh,
1: Honestly, I'm not... uh that much, uh, t- I'm not technical enough to understand. Like, I, I can only assume uh, stuff and I definitely mm-hmm. uh, like can take your word well for it, but I would definitely uh, want to see, to hear more uh, takes on it. Cause it- well, uh, it's I, I, think, I think, think it does, obviously Sorry. it
0: would raise centralization concerns because the, the admin, whoever owns the contract gets to determine the mm-hmm. parameters of what is being set. So like, if you're talking about how, like, you know, how much money could come out, or uh, the the rate limit, or like the the reset time, all those are uh, admin controlled. So if you have some malicious admins, they could essentially like brick your parameters uh, to something nasty, so you you don't get any funds back for a long, long time. So yes, it introduces some centralization, but uh, it does help uh, potentially uh, for like DAOs that that. Have like a nice multi-sig or have a uh, like trusted authority that wants to uh, maintain these these ERC contracts.
1: It's it kind of reminds me of uh, stuff like uh, you know upgradable uh, contracts versus uh, immutable contracts. Is it not uh, like uh, kind of mm. the same?
0: Not really. I mean, you could have an immutable contract, I believe, but it would introduce these rate limits. Uh, that uh, that could be changed. So it's you You could have your like, I think it, maybe it's a wrapper. Uh, I will have to look more into it. But uh, from my understanding, it just it just adds these limits, which then can be
1: uh, changed by an admin. Uh, uh, so- it's going to be interesting because, uh, you know, uh, at first glance, it seems like, you know, that uh, it gives uh, back some of the power to whoever uh, controls these uh, functions. So Uh, Assuming they are uh, like uh, positive actors, it's great. They're going to prevent hacks, and we're going to, us as uh, users, we're going to benefit. But I'm just like uh, wondering about uh, what if this, uh, what if the protocol that uh, controls this uh, kind of option is not uh, that, uh, you know, is not a positive actor? Yeah, Doesn't it open like all kinds of malicious- Well, I mean, that's that's
0: the case for anything, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, true, true. (laughs) That's really the case for anything. so talking about hacks, this was we were we had Wind moon on this morning and he actually had to jump off, but he was a little bit surprised about this. So Rodeo Finance was hacked for uh eight eighty-nine thousand six hundred and one USDCE, uh, which was then exchanged for forty six point one ETH. And uh this Meta Sleuth brought up some like you know very interesting coincidence that the f- first five letters are exactly the same of the attacker address but that's all random right uh, uh, i guess but like honestly i, I don't know <laughs> i think it is the it, the, re- the reply from rodeo finance maybe english isn't their first language but it was very weird right so can
1: you share it on the screen
0: he, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah it is here call. right so let me make it a little bit bigger so he's like <laughs> uh, let's go read their Official yeah. reply. So, like, okay. So this this Falcon DeFi Security Summit talks about the the exploit. Uh, they talk about the issue with their strategy gamma balance manipulated, uh, and then abuse of mint pro, uh, mint protocol reserves function. Right. Uh, they said the attacker employed an address strikingly similar to the deployer, leading to our erroneous identification of it as the project's address. That's probably the issue, why they were talking about it. Um, They probably reported it as the team first. So In this case, uh, Rodeo came back and said, when making an erroneous claim on Twitter, which is publicly contested or rectified, it's typically best to leave the claim up as it's already has many eyeballs. It's also good to own up so that users can see the original falsehoods. Uh, They said they caught the attack in real time, paused the protocol, and then were given all clear by their auditor at Kalos. Uh they apparently are operating again and the funds are theirs. So by the posted... way, they
1: just they mm-hmm. just had their uh, token sale. Basically. They did.
0: Yeah. So it seems that the eighty nine thousand dollar hole uh was funded entirely. So they covered the hole themselves and uh at their expense. Have you heard of these guys before? Leverage foreign Yeah, I've heard, I've heard
1: about them actually. Mm-hmm. I I did hear about them uh, a while back. And also now uh, I saw that Camelot was talking about uh, the fact that, uh, you know, the the RDO token uh, was just launched on Camelot like uh, a day or two ago. I'm not Mm -hmm. really uh, sure. I don't know, man. Like, you know, the the timing is kind of suspicious uh, in my mind. Just after the sale. uh, And I don't know. (laughs) I can't say that I'm uh, that everything seems normal uh, to me, and that address issue. That I, I agree for sure it can be a coincidence, but uh, again, I don't know. All kinds of these coincidences are uh, kind of weird, and especially the fact that uh, why does this happen just like uh, you know a day or something like that after the hack after after the sale. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, it's a little strange.
1: It's a little strange.
0: Uh, so. In other news, uh, this is probably the one of the few times we'll talk about Tron. But I did find this interesting. Justin Sun has set up a staked USDT program where you can deposit your USDT into his Tron platform, uh, and then they take it and then they invest into like real world assets. I'm not sure which ones they're actually investing into. Uh, maybe it's just like treasuries, right? Um, Does but it they, get
1: any more centralized than this? Like, yeah.
0: Well, look, there's RWA, RWA platforms are everywhere, right? But uh, apparently this one is run by um, Justin Sun, like it's backed by him. Yeah. I mean, obviously everything is on, on um, what's it called? Uh, on Tron, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, But they are providing 3.6%, which is kind of low. So maybe he's just taking the funds and then turning around and uh, putting it into treasuries and keeping the difference. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, to be honest, when I uh, look at Tron and Justin, Like, I look at Tron in a way as kind of uh, Justin son's private uh, wallet, you know? This uh, this whole network, I, I see it as like, uh, it's Justin Tron's capital. He does all kinds of stuff with them. And I imagine that some people in Asia or whatever, like, they do use it because, you know, for back in the old days, it has uh, like uh, the... Uh, the reputation of a cheap uh, network. And I remember that uh, in my early uh, DeFi days, people were, uh, and really I knew nothing about nothing ba- uh, back then, uh, people were approaching me and saying like, uh, yeah, you know, but Tron is much cheaper and uh, Ethereum uh, is a very expensive network. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe it can legit, it, it, maybe it can be legit and whatever. But the more like time I spend in crypto, like I wouldn't, Again, this is not personal, uh, this is not financial advice or anything, but I've never touched uh, Tron. This whole thing is kind of weird for me. It seems like uh, Justin Sands, uh, just private uh, like well, you, playground you, that you, he's building for his own capital and he's enjoying it.
0: Actually, Tron is very widely used for transferring USDT uh, yeah. between exchanges or just in general, right? Because the fees on Tron are very cheap. And yeah. it's it's, can, it's it was one of the first networks that was Uh, integrated into Binance at the same level that Ethereum and and BNB was. So uh, a lot of people actually use Tron to make dollar transfers. Um, Do we have a...
1: Can we get these numbers? Like uh, how many people actually use uh, Tron? Because I imagine it is like, uh, you know, Justin uh, Sun and a few of his uh, colleagues like uh, using the network. Uh,
0: So the thing about the... uh, so, this is, this is actually just from a few days ago, right? Check this out. So, over 60% of USDT supply is currently issued on the Tron blockchain. Wow. wow. So, more than half, right? So, this was from like two weeks ago. So, Tether on Tron reached an all time high of 46 billion compared to 36.8 billion on, on
1: Ethereum. And do we have any idea, like, uh, how this money is uh, divided? Like, uh, how many people uh, own USDT on Tron? Like, is it, uh, you know, a thousand people? Is it a million people? I think it's a lot.
0: So do you remember the story about how Tron was, or like, okay, so the U.S. government was going after Binance because of, they were essentially allowing Iranians to... uh, through another company to get access to dollars. The, the dollars that they were getting was USDT on Tron. And uh, it was very popular in Iran to use that currency. Um, so I think that outside of the United States, especially in like Middle East and Asia parts, uh, Tron's very widely used just because of the fees. It's like it's next to nothing to use fees. And if you're gonna move dollars around like Nobody wants to pay ten dollars to move dollars around on ease, right even even like even arbitrum's kind of expensive. True, and- true, definitely.
1: Uh, listen, like people who really uh, like uh, like people in like third world uh, countries, arbitrum at the moment is definitely not for them. Like uh, they can't pay uh, half a dollar or something like that uh, or thirty cents for a, a transaction. Like mm-hmm. uh, they see they see thirty cents and half a dollar as capital. You know what I mean? uh, exactly yeah
0: yeah so i i I keep my eye on tron i think it's interesting and the addition of this rwa platform uh might actually get somewhere because of the amount of usdt that's there
1: yeah yeah, you are they're they're pretty much in a powerful position i'm just uh, you know as like as a western consumer in a way i kind of tend to avoid it and i see it uh, as like a big a very big centralized risk and also i see it as like a place that uh, i don't know whatever justin sun decides to try to do and manipulate uh, you're uh, at his mercies yeah i think you know i, don't, way I don't think about that
0: i mean I, I think i look at it more about like what what's actually being used and it's like you think about dollars being sent back and forth and tron is the place all right so uh In other news, we have some votes that are taking place um, by OriginDAO, which is a uh, LSD aggregator. And so they are voting to swap one third of their RETH for for WETH, and then they're going to deposit that into their convex AMO strategy. And AMO is essentially just like a how to describe it? Uh, it's it's automatic market operations, and I believe they'll be doing the same strategy that Frax does, where they take some of their WETH and then they pair it against OETH, and then deposit it in Convex so that they can farm Curve and Convex yields.
1: I um, imagine that uh, in your mind, they could just have uh, like well, a they already use have, use
0: they, already have yeah, they already have yeah they already have stake Frax ETH exposure. Um, this this specifically. The reason for uh, reducing their REth allocations is that they said they're big fans of Rocket Pool and they've been supportive of OEth. But uh, users are quite vocal about the fact that they're coming to OEth for higher yields and REth is our lowest earning collateral type. Swapping some of it for WETH and then allocating it to the convex AMO is the obvious way to maximize yields given our current set of whitelisted strategies.
1: Yet, how how will what they do de- differ than just holding uh, Frax ETH or uh, SFRX ETH? You know? uh, Rocket Pool? No, no. What uh, what uh, Origin Dao is now uh, deciding to do? Like they they de- they've decided to take. I mean, they're voting on it to take a third of their uh, wrapped ETH position mm-hmm. and uh, use this strategy with uh, wrapped ETH uh, oh, it, con- it, themselves, right?
0: Yeah, so essentially they they believe that they can make more profit through convex providing liquidity yeah. uh, rather so, than uh, keeping it as reth.
1: And again, correct me if I'm uh, wrong, but uh, isn't that like uh, pretty much exactly what uh, Frax is doing with uh, FRAX ETH?
0: Yes, yes. So I believe so why, a, I believe it's a similar AMO strategy.
1: So why don't they actually just uh, turn this wrapped uh, uh, this uh, RE into uh, FRAX ETH? Uh, no, they already no. have.
0: Yeah, they are, like, like I said, they already have an allocation of Frax ETH. They're just they're just getting rid of some of their Rocket Pool ETH uh, for a uh, something that yields at a higher rate. So, looking at the looking at the DeFi Llama page, uh, Rocket Pool is currently yielding 3.2%, which is the lowest of all the
1: LSDs. Um, but then they get uh, RPL rewards as well.
0: Yeah, potentially, potentially. Um, I, I well the the state you mean the just holding the LSD or are you talking about the node I mean those who
1: use a uh, rocket pool uh, those who lock ETH uh, uh, to ETH, I think they also lock RPL and then those are the
0: those are the node operators and so mm-hmm. being okay. a node operator is actually quite uh, profitable uh, but if you're having to hold the LSD the actually wait, did I freeze. No, I froze. So uh, holding the LSD actually is is unprofitable. So like you're essentially subsidizing the um, the the node operators' uh, profits at the expense of yourself. Am I frozen? I, I
1: believe I'm frozen. Still. Yeah, 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 it comes and goes. It comes uh, and goes. Yeah. It's strange. But uh, now it's okay. And what I'm wondering is that, uh, you know, if they're deciding to uh, try this uh, strategy themselves, and Mm -hmm. this strategy is in a way, uh, like you say, it's very similar to the FRAX uh, strategy, then I can only imagine uh, two things. uh, Like, either they uh, want to maintain this kind of diversification and they don't want to have uh, uh, too much, uh, like, uh, a position in FRAX uh, that is too big in their mind, or maybe they think that uh, if they uh, try and uh, play this game themselves, Maybe they can uh, yield even more. So I think, and uh, if they will, de- if they will, if they will see that they can yield even more, then I'm kind of sure that they will keep uh, like uh, converting these uh, positions and uh, try to do it uh, themselves. What do you say?
0: Yeah. So the uh, just to go back on the snapshot, right? We can take a look at the breakdown. So right now. Uh, 50% of their their ETH is in the Convex ETH, which is yielding 6, 16.48%. Wow. Uh, 4% of their ETH is in Lido, yielding 4%. 15% is in Pool ETH, and then 15% is in Stakefrax ETH. And then they also have this like MorphoAve Weth, which is- What cool. does
1: it even mean MorphoAve, by the way? I've never heard of
0: it. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's like some Morpho platform.
1: First him
0: so, yeah. Um, okay. So, in other it's news, gonna be, we, it's mm-hmm.
1: going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And uh, by the way, I've talked to uh, Jasper from uh, Rocket Pool about something that's going on on their uh, governance that uh, he wrote about. Uh, will be interesting to also ask him about some of this stuff. We'll definitely try to schedule him uh, as soon as possible.
0: Yeah, well, we'll get rushbacks on for that as well too. Um, for sure. Okay, so there's a great piece of research that came out today from Orosporus Research.
1: Ah, you just had this guy on. Uh, He's a nice guy. Uh, You just had him on on Flywheel, correct?
0: Yeah, we're actually publishing our uh, episode with him today, uh, going over his uh, research paper. Essentially, he went through and looked at the um, uh, like entire. Frax ecosystem and as a former equity trader, he tried to go through and provide some uh, valuations for it. So uh, taking a look at this, he talks about the risk. Uh, main thing to get to is to look at the, uh, the valuations and uh, I believe it's down here. So he talks about the valuation ranges and based on the individual parts, so like the stablecoin. See if it makes a little bigger. So, like stablecoin, Frax ETH, and then Frax Chain. Uh, at the low end, he valued it at about six hundred million dollars, which is about thirty percent upside. And at the high end, uh, one point seven billion dollars, which I still think is conservative as well. Too, I, I could probably push it a little bit higher than that in my own head. But uh, yeah,
1: if, if stuff really works, I think the bull case is uh, much bigger uh, than that. Of course, I'm not sure about uh, what kind of time frame he's referring to here. Yet, uh, you know, well, but, I think uh, it's
0: I think it's now. I think his like valuation models are saying like mm-hmm. like th- th- it's what, mispriced
1: what, now what it should be worth today.
0: Yeah, mean. exactly. Yeah. So uh, we've seen some repricing of Share over the past week, but uh, I still think it's deeply undervalued. But that's just my opinion. And uh, everybody. by the way,
1: happy. can I uh, use this chance to uh, ask you something that uh, I've mm-hmm. seen also, uh, I've seen some people uh, talk about it uh, on uh, Twitter. Like some people have, uh, I see that they, uh, they have some uh, critique or criticism, I'm sorry, uh, for the fact that uh, FRAX has become, uh, in their mind, much more uh, oriented on uh, the FRAX uh, eth uh, stuff. And uh, less on the stablecoin uh, stuff, at least in the way they communicate things. So, I've seen, uh, especially uh, in the past few days and yesterday, I saw some people uh, tweet stuff like, uh, you know, yeah, they, 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 the frax used to talk about uh, FedMaster's account, and now it's mostly about uh, them talking about the uh, frax ETH. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Like, because uh, you're so much more connected to uh, frax and the guys there and their vision. Like, uh, how do you see it as someone from the inside?
0: Yeah, there's a really good article that um, that we wrote on flywheel. Uh, let's see, a few months back. So during ETH Denver, uh, Sam actually gave a talk called "Stablecoin Maximalism," which I think is really good to to hear. Uh, he talks about how like Frax is a is a stablecoin issuer. It's not just about like fiat stablecoins. They're also issuing e stablecoins going to issue a, a bitcoin stable coin at some point and essentially like his idea of a stable coin is that you have this uh, three parts right um so you have the monetary premium you have the risk free yield and then the swap facility so the monetary premium is like people that hold uh dollars so if you hold cash right uh you're essentially like increasing the monetary premium of the dollar because it's not in treasuries, you're not earning a yield on it. And it's, uh, it's just, it's not like non-yield bearing, right? The risk-free rate is like treasuries, right? So when we think about like LSDs, right? We have uh, like your, whatever your LSD yield is. In the case of Frax, we have two tokens. So there's like Frax ETH, which doesn't earn a yield uh, and is used for liquidity versus stake Frax ETH, which slowly goes up. And it's kind of like the risk free rate of uh, DeFi. Uh, And then lastly, you have your like swap facility, uh, which is just where everything gets traded out. So, uh, you know, in here, we talk about he he essentially says that like if you build stable coins up and down in the ecosystem, um, you're like the platform can become a lot bigger, right? Because then you like the, the, you know, dollar based stable coins are just one part of it as well as the LSDs as well too. Uh, Pretty much every protocol in theory should be issuing their own LSD because you uh, get to essentially arbitrage the rates between what uh, you're able to earn versus what people are able to want to accept for your stable coin.
1: Um, And- but probably this only works like for uh, big uh, actors like uh, FRAX, for example like uh, should really do, do you really think that like small uh, protocols should uh, try and do such stuff as well
0: i think it's with size right because like at the end of the day sam's comments are essentially that like it's all lending right like all of these markets that we're talking about they're just like lending markets it's all debt a stable coin is just debt so like if you're creating debt markets, if you're Aave, Aave should have a, their own LSD, right? And they're they're issuing their own stablecoin with Go. Curve has their own uh, stablecoin now, right? Like pretty much every major protocol that is that has size at this point is issuing their own stablecoin because they're able to arbitrage the um, the difference because what they can earn on their on their yields versus what they have to pay out to their users, and so that's a very profitable business. I mean, we we talked about Tether last week. Is earning what like three billion dollars in from their uh, from running their stable coin, from issuing their stablecoin, wow. um,
1: which is crazy. And so, so yeah. your guess, Sam, if I can ask, of course, mm-hmm. uh, your guess is that uh, Ave, uh, Curve, and maybe some of the others uh, as well. I'm not sure uh, who. Your guess is that they will uh, come up with their own uh, like uh, versions of uh, ETH uh, LSDs.
0: Maybe. I mean, like, look, I mean, if you've, if you've spent any time like looking into Frax recently, so Frax ETH V2 is coming out and it essentially changes the model of what it is to be a LSD issuer. So okay. previously, previously there, you like, you like give your ETH to Lido and Lido can has like a set of validators who just stake it for you. Right. And then they pass back the yield. And that yield is fixed and it's not really respondent to any market demands. Um, now what what FraxEath is going to do v2 is it's it's essentially going to change the LSD model from that kind of fixed rate model to dynamic lending markets. So more like a Ave isolated lending pool uh, where you know you, you have you're essentially creating lending pools for validators to borrow ETH uh, and then they pay dynamic rates for that. Because look at the, if, you, if you're a operator, right? And you are able to go out and use the the power of your nodes to increase your yield past whatever percentage. So let's say like the base rate for, for e-staking is like 4%, but through like MEV and I don't know, restaking with, eigenlayer or anything else you can push your uh you can push your income up to like seven percent uh now if you're a smart node operator you should try to borrow as much eth at that four percent staking rate as possible and then the difference between like the seven percent that you can make with uh you know all those other activities versus what you're paying as kind of that base rate so this this the stake weight uh, or like staking power, I think is going to be very profitable in the future. And and so Frax is essentially creating this open market that allows for uh, dynamic rates to be set. So you can actually know the real um, demand for uh, leveraged collateral for validators. Well,
1: very curious to see. When, when are we having uh, Sam on here? that's
0: a good question I, I can I can ask him uh, probably when they I mean whenever they have announcements which
1: is all yeah this uh, what, what you what you just shared uh, sounds like a, kind of a big announcement is uh, coming kind of an announcement of announcement
0: well I if you if you hang out in the telegram chat things get announced like all the time quietly yeah. <laughs> uh, there's just no like at flywheel we're trying to be as loud as possible but uh, it's
1: I think you're doing a great job uh, on that front, for sure. And mm-hmm. by the way, are there any news about the Fed uh, master account? Like, uh, like, uh, nah, I, mean, I would be like,
0: like, like, look at it's. I would look to other stablecoin issuers first. So, like, Custodia, see how Custodia goes in the next few months because they've had their application for a long time. Uh, you know, the the current regulatory landscape is just not that great yeah. for uh, stablecoin issuers at the moment. So once there's once there's legislation passed like the McHenry bill that we've talked about before or um, a new administration then i think we'd see some some changes
1: yeah it will be very interesting to see and definitely you know like yeah, i don't know like the, the, uh, up till now in many ways it has been the the year of uh, lsd's
0: huh mhm it has and Uh, Maybe it will continue to be. I hope so. So anyways, that's probably a good place to wrap. Uh, We're rolling into the end of the hour. So uh, thank you for tuning in today's edition. Um, We will be back tomorrow with the whole gang. And yeah. And thank you for all the comments. We see you. uh, I just forgot to put them up. So Crypto Worm and Chong CC. Thank you for uh, leaving some comments. All right, squids. Thank, thank you so much. We'll see you again tomorrow.
1: And mazal tov. Man. Yeah, thank no you. I'm <laughs> oh, gonna go barbecue. Goodbye. Bye.